Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Show. I'm Joe McCall, and I'm with a good buddy, Scott Todd, from, I don't know, Todd, where do you, Scott, I mean, Scott, do you hear people do that a lot? Do they just call you Todd? Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's all good. <laughs> Sorry. Well, anyways, first, I'll, I'll introduce Scott here in a minute, guys. But first, if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Go to iTunes, look up Real Estate Investing Mastery. Give us uh, Give us some love, would you? Leave a review. Let us know you like the show. We'd really appreciate it. And go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes, to get anything that we are – we're going to give you links. We're going to be sharing things on these podcasts, so please go there. Pretty soon, I'm thinking about restarting again the transcriptions. I've done that in the past. Excuse me. And I didn't know if many people were using them, and it was kind of expensive. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Uh, but I found recently a really – really cool way to transcribe these podcasts. And Scott, I don't know if you knew about this. It's called Trent, I think. Yeah. And do you guys use that on your other podcast? I, I use it not, not for the other podcast, but I, I do actually use that for other things. Uh, it's really good. It's really cool. Yeah, it's T-R, I'm pulling it up right now. T-R-I-N-T, yes. Trent, T-R-I-N-T. And it does a pretty amazing job of transcribing Podcast. Well, that's not it. <laughs> T R I N T. Let me Google. It's T T R. Yeah, it's T R I N T dot com, right? Yeah, okay. That is, I went to this Try other it. weird site. T R I N T dot com. Yes. So uh, I don't know how much it costs, but it's about as cheap as you can get anywhere else to do these $12 an hour. Um, that price has gone up, actually. It used to be a lot cheaper than that. But, um, Anyway, so I'm probably soon going to put some transcriptions on the podcast. So to get all of that, you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to check it out, okay? And um, today i got a special guest. His name is Scott Todd. Uh, he's with the Land Geek community. Is that a good way to say it, Scott? Yeah, yeah. Land Geek. Yeah. Okay, so I've had Mark Podolsky on the show before. He's I've been on his show before. He's got a great podcast called... I don't know. You guys keep on changing the name, Scott. It's the art of passive income. The art of passive income it used to be called the Land Geek Show. <laughs> There's been three iterations of it. Yes. This is our third iteration. It started off with um, you know the the Land Geek, and then it moved to the the best passive income model. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And then it's the art of passive income. I'm so now. glad he changed that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Put you on the spot. Oh, he did, and uh, he did it to me, and I was like, uh. Because <laughs> he, great. it is funny, and he's right. Like he's absolutely right on. But it's so weird to be put in the the, the spotlight like that. Because he he'll go and he'll explain all the benefits of investing in land, and and then uh, after like five minutes of a monologue, he says, "No, aren't I right? Am I right? Is this <laughs> isn't this the best passive income model?" And you have to, you're just a long, awkward silence. Uh, I think. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, I think maybe, but that's the way Mark is. Mark's a cool guy. I like Mark a lot. He's got a great system on investing in land. A lot of you guys have heard me talk on the show before about how I'm starting to invest in land right now as well. And I love it. We've been doing land for about a year, year and a half. I would say 
Scott, I don't remember the numbers. I should have looked before we got on. In fact, maybe when you start looking, I'll look in our podio. But we have done 15 to 20 land flips in the last year. And that's like working part, part, part time. If you were to total or average the number of hours we've worked over the last year and a half, and the land business has probably been like three to five hours a week. Some weeks we work more, we work more but I love this model for a lot of reasons. And Scott, I wanted to talk with you about some of those reasons on this podcast. And one of the places I got a lot of our education on land flipping is was from Mark at the Land Geek. I'm one of those guys, Scott, who when I want to learn something new, I'll go out and buy every course that I can on it. Um, yeah. And people ask me, should I get your lease options course or someone else's lease option course? And I say all the time, like, get them all. Get everybody because we all have different approaches to it. So along with Mark's, I've bought Jack Bosch's course. I bought Land Academy's course. And uh, I think there's Seth. Seth has one that I, uh, Seth Williams or something that I bought. But Mark Podolsky's at the Land Geek is, is very thorough. And Scott is one of the guys that helps Mark teach and coach in this business, along with doing a lot of deals yourself. Scott, you got an amazing story too. You were an executive at a, at a big company. They canned you, right? Well, what ha- yeah, what what happened was I was a vice president at at Hertz, uh, the rental car company. Okay. I was um, vice president there, and in May, it's like May of 2014, I guess. I was promoted to VP, and part of my promotion was that I needed to move my family, relocate from where I lived in Orlando to Fort Myers, Florida, because they were moving the headquarters there. And so basically my job was going to be based at the headquarters. So, you know, I, I go home, I, I tell my family, hey, I got promoted. We're, oh, by the way, kids and, and wife, we're moving from Orlando. We're moving to Fort Myers. We sell our house, which, as you know, is not necessarily a, uh, a low stress, uh, you know, thing. <laughs> well, the market hadn't really rebounded in 2014 yeah, either. Right. Yeah. You know, it's still, still kind of rough and, you know, stressful. So we, we actually move. We, you know, we we put all of our stuff into to storage because we decide we're going to build like our dream house. So we are living in temporary housing while the um, while the house is being built. We're in this rental rental property, and I'm watching CNBC's Mad Money with Jim Cramer. Mm. It was like September. Yeah, he's so a really I, calm, collected. Oh yeah, cool yeah. He's he's guy. easy go. So I'm watching this Jim Cramer episode and, you know, he starts off now. Remember, Joe, I've been in the, I've been on my new job for like four months. Okay. Yeah. My family's like in turmoil. I I'm watching CNBC. He starts off the episode by placing the company CEO on the wall of shame on like his wall of shame. (laughs) He's bashing the CEO. And I'm like looking at my wife and I'm like, we are in trouble, right? Because I, I basically like, you know, the organization that I'm reporting to, if they change the CEO, he's going to bring in, the CEO is going to bring in a new, you know, infrastructure of senior leadership. That guy's going to reposition everybody. This is bad news. And my wife's like, you know, should we not buy the house? And I'm like, well, we've already got our money down. We, we have to keep moving forward. So two weeks later, the CEO is out. You know, we, the new CEO comes in, sure enough, he brings in a new senior team. That senior team begins to bring in their friends, their, their people that they've worked for in the, or worked with in the past. And, uh, they start to delay the organization and I made it about 18 months. Wow. 
And but when I saw all of this happening, when the CEO was gone, all everything, I'm like, okay, look, all my money is tied up in company stock, like everything, my 401k, you know, I'm working all these hours and I'm now in this city, Fort Myers, which is a beautiful place. However, the economy there is not like it's, it's driven by one company and that's Hertz. That's the new place. So if you, if you're not working there, you're kind of like packing up your bags and leaving. But I had just moved my family. So I can't let that happen. I started kind of researching, you know, like real estate investing. I came across Mark Podolsky, the land geek, and basically like took action. I bought his course and like started like just pounding the course, you know, like just started doing the work. And within about 35 days, 40 days, I had actually had uh, five accepted offers following Mark's strategy. Within 35 days? Within 35 days, yeah. You know, just just 35 days, I started getting my accepted offers. Within a very short period of time, like I'm going to say within 45 days, I had purchased five properties. You know, the the largest, like, uh, I think they were like three 40 acres and 20 acre and a one acre property. I, I probably had you know, less than $10,000 invested of capital invested in, in these properties, sold my first one within 60 days and sold all five within probably like 75 days. Wow. So, I mean, like from there, I was just like off to the races. I started just... Can you talk about the numbers real quick? Um, and were, yeah, were, yeah. These, so, were these good deals or could you, do, could you have done better knowing what you know now? Well, I could have done better knowing what I know now. Okay. So... You know, like the the very first property that I bought was a 40-acre property in, in uh, Nevada. And what happened was I had what I now refer to as got to own landitis, which meant that like never before in my life did I care about owning land, but now all of a sudden I needed to own land. And so, you know, I kind of like bought a property wholesale from another land investor, which is not a bad thing to do, but I paid them $4,000 for the property that I now know I could probably buy for like 2800 Okay. Okay. So, you know, did I overpay? You know, I I think that's all relative. But the thing is, is that I really wanted to sell that property. So I sold it for like $10,000. I bought it for for $4,000, sold it for $10,000 on terms. But knowing what I know now, that property property would have sold for like $20,000 had I like just marketed a little bit different way. On terms. On terms, yeah, and that's like a thousand dollars down and two ninety seven a month. Nice for about seven years. Well, okay? let's, let's talk about an example deal. I think a lot of people are listening yeah. to this and wondering what on earth buying who wants to own land and right. and why in the middle of Nevada? So, well, why don't you talk about an ex- a typical example deal, like t- Scott, uh, how you um, that you sell for cash and you sell for on terms? Could you do that? Yeah, yeah. So, like Joe, there's there's really like three three to four, let's say four types of uh, people that are interested in land. Okay. The, f- the first type is somebody that obviously wants to live on the land. So there, this is someone that's looking to, you know, to, to live in a mobile home or um, maybe an RV or maybe even build their dream house. That person is kind of looking for land so that they can kind of uh, sculpt out what they want for the future. The second type of person that buys land is somebody that that wants it for recreational purposes. They want to be able to go out and hunt on the land or they want to be able to go out and camp on the land. I mean, you'd be surprised at how many people will buy, you know, a 40 acre property or a 160 acre property just so they can go out there whenever they want and set up a tent and just enjoy the the land and and ride their ATVs around and just have a blast. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another core market. 
the next person is, you know, someone that, that you might, you know, you might not even know exists. And that's somebody that, that wants to treat land like, you know, man jewelry, if you will, you know, it's essentially somebody who has like this, and they just want to own land in like every single state, or they just want to be able to tell their buddies, man, I own 80 acres or I own 120 acres or I own 20 acres. Right. Yeah. And then the, probably the fourth type of person is somebody that, I mean, I refer to them as other land investors, even though they probably don't realize that they are land investors because it's the person that I call them land bankers, if you will. So what they're doing is they're buying land and they're doing it as an alternative to like the stock market. Okay. So like they, what they'll do is they will buy, buy land and they just keep buying land. You know, like they just, they, they say, okay, you know what? I'm going to spend X amount of money a month on land. And they, they just keep buying land. And I mean, like I've got a guy that he spends, he doesn't spend, he invests with me about a thousand dollars a month in land and he doesn't care which properties it is. So when he pays it off, he just starts buying another piece of property and he didn't start off with a thousand. He started off with like a hundred dollars a month and he's kind of just quickly ramped it up. And, you know, even, even Mark, wow. Mark's got a guy that will spend like this spends like four or $5,000 a month with him. Okay. So on terms, I mean, terms deals on terms. Yeah. So every month, you know, it's like guaranteed money coming in the door because you know that the guy is going to pay the bill. Wow. So those are the four types of people that are kind of looking for land. There's a pig for every barn, right? There, there is. And that's, that's, I mean, Mark says that all the time. There's a pig for every barn, but I don't get that. Scott. <laughs> I've scratched my head for the last couple of years, ever since he first told me that. What does that mean? Pig for every barn. Yeah. So, you know, here, here's a great example of a pig for every barn. So, Joe, I bought up, I'm in Florida and I don't do a lot of investing in Florida because it's a more competitive marketplace. I mean, the, the, the data is easier to get in Florida, but you know, it's, 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 there's more competition here because, because I think it's easier to get the data and man, yeah. who wouldn't want to own land in Florida? Right. The problem is, is that, you know, land in Florida, people know that it's more valuable then, you know, pennies on the dollar. And, and so the margins kind of get squeezed, but I did buy when I was first starting out that I, I mentioned that I bought uh, five properties. One of them was in Florida and it was a acre and a quarter property. And I bought this property and, um, I was feeling a little confident, you know, probably, probably too confident. You know how, how people get when they're doing something new. They go, I got, it, I got, it, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So I told, I told my daughter, I told my daughter, she, she was 14 at the time. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, here, let's take your money that you have in the bank account and you and I together will buy this property. And when we sell it, whatever, whatever, uh, profit there is, you get half and I get half and that will be like money for your car. And she's like, okay, dad. So, you know, here she is trusting me and everything. And, and I go out and I buy this piece of property sight unseen. Remember like sight unseen. Like I, I, I didn't, cause you're not going out and look at these properties. It's you're buying it from Google earth and you know, other, other methods. Yeah. So Joe, I, I buy this property and, uh, I place an ad in the paper and a guy goes out and looks at it and he calls me back and he's like, dude, you bought a swamp. No, kind of you fun. actually literally. <laughs> yeah. He's like, dude, you literally, the thing is underwater. Like oh, you can't get to goodness. it. And this was like, Joe, this was like outside of the rainy season. This is like in the dry season and it was underwater. So my, my heart sinks, you know, like, cause my daughter, as she, as she signs the, the contract that I made her sign that said that, you know, we were doing this 50, 50, the, the last 
thing she said to me was, dad, please don't lose my life savings. Oh my gosh. So, so when I hear this guy tell me like, dude, this is a swamp. That's horrible. I'm like, how am I, how am I going to tell my daughter? Like, honey, uh, I bought a swamp, you know, like, so here, I'm just going to make your money good. <clears throat> you know, like it's not really the, the conversation that you want to have. Wow. So I keep placing ads out there, keep posting on, on Craigslist. And, and, uh, this guy calls me up one day about, I've been marketing it for like two weeks. He calls me up and he says, Hey, I'm going to go out there tomorrow and I'm going to look at the property and I'll get back to you. And I'm like, wait, 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 why don't you put a down payment down? You know, I give you a money back guarantee. He's like, no, 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 no. I'll call you when I, when, if I want to buy it. I'm like, okay. So that was a Saturday. I did not hear from him on Sunday and I'm like, oh boy, you know, this one's going to be hard. On Monday, he calls me up and he says, hey, is this the best price you can do? And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's probably the best price I, I can do. And he's like, okay, because I'll buy it for cash. And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's probably the best I can do. He said, okay, sounds good. Um, when can we meet? Wow. And I'm like, uh, did, you, did you go out and look at the property? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went out and looked at the property. I love it. And I'm thinking like, did you look at the right property? You know, like <laughs> what the heck, man? Yeah. So I, I'm not one to question. I mean, the, the, the numbers were good. I bought it for, um, let's see, I bought it. I bought the land for $1,300. It owed $500 in past due taxes. So I was into it for $1,800. And we were selling it for $4,500. Okay. Yeah. Again, knowing what I know now, I, I would get 7200 for that property. Okay. Cash, right? So, you know, I, I kind of was under the market, and, but that's okay. So I meet up with the guy because I'm in Florida. He's in Florida. I meet up with him. I give him the deed. He records the deed. He gives me a cashier's check. All is good. And I'm walking out with cashier check in hand. And I said to the guy, I said, hey, just curiosity, like, what are you going to do with this property? And he smiled and he said, He's like, hey, listen, I'm going to send you a video. And then after you get the video, why don't you come out and hang out with me? And I'm like, um, okay, yeah, send me the video. Joe, about, I don't know, about a week later, he sends me this video, and it's him and his buddies, and they're riding their ATVs through the property mudding. Oh, okay? wow. <laughs> so, you know, the, the concept of a pig for every barn is basically saying that, you know, like me, I probably would look at this property. If I would have gone out there and saw that it was underwater, I would probably avoid it. You know, like I would avoid it like the plague because I would look at that and say, well, who the heck is going to buy the property? Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that Mark Podolsky teaches is that, you know, Hey, you're not the customer, you know, the customer is the customer and, you know, you never know what, you know, what someone's going to desire to use a property for. In this case, they wanted their own ATV mud pit. Yeah. And, you know, who who am I to, to determine, look at a property and say, well, that that's a junk property, when in fact to this guy it was gold. My job is not to, to evaluate the properties based on what I want. It's really to evaluate the property based on what what is the highest and best use of that property and then market it to to achieve just that. So knowing what you do know now – if it was a property like that, would you maybe get it under an option contract? Something not like tying you down to actually buy it? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, the, the thing is, is that like, you know, like I, like I said, that property, I bought it for, you know, all, all in for 1800. I, it was, I was out of pocket cash for, uh, you know, 1300. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't do a lot of options because like literally my average purchase is just about that. It's about, you know, 
it's about uh, twelve to let's say let's say, let's just say my average purchase is about twelve hundred dollars. Okay, so on average, when I'm buying a property, I'm spending about twelve hundred dollars, and I'm either going to buy the property because I know what I'm going to do with it, or I'm just not going to buy the property, right? Like okay. I, I don't. I mean, like I, I guess I could just have enough deal flow today where I don't look at necessarily options. I'm either in or I'm out. Hmm. Nice. Okay. You know, and I think that 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 like you know. The, the, I think that strategy, if you will, of just being in or out kind of has really allowed me to scale the business because I don't have to worry about like explain to someone what an option is. You know, I, the worst case scenario is, is I'm, I've got, you know, 1300, uh, maybe $1,500 sitting idle for a few months while I find the highest and best use of that property. I've never had a property that won't sell, you know, like sometimes they take, sometimes they're not, you know, like quick sellers. Sometimes they take a while. Isn't that amazing, by the way, when you just said that? I don't know if people got that. But Scott, is he's not BSing you at all. You guys listen? Yeah. With land, you can sell almost anything that you buy, as long as the numbers work. Yeah, that's right. We'll talk about the numbers here in a minute. But that's insane. You can't do that with houses. No. Joe, you know, like, I think that's where, I think that's where some people, some people struggle is that, you know, with a house, you know, you go out and you buy a house, like you buy a property. And then, you know, unless you know, like when you're starting out, really, when you're starting out, you go out and you buy a house and you're going to wholesale it. You're going to do something with it. Well, then you don't go out and buy another one. That's insane, right? Like, yeah. you, you know, like you you want to find your legs first. And with land, it's it's different because, you know, like I see people where they struggle because they bought a single property and they want to do a proof of concept on it. But like if you just think about my story, I went out and I bought like five properties. Right. right. And so then I start mark I started marketing them like from day one when I got them. But I didn't stop the buy side. I just kept buying land and kept buying land. And I I to this day I continue that approach. I mean, my first year, first full year in the business, I did sixty eight deals. Okay? Sixty eight deals, good. Last year was my second full year in the business. Two thousand sixteen was my f- first or my second full year in the business. And my goal was to kind of 10x from 68. I wanted to go to 700. So, you know, I was trying to build systems and staff and and VAs to go and help me to scale to 700. And I got to tell you something, I didn't make it. You know, like I I came up short. I actually hit 198 deals last year. Phenomenal. Not bad, right? And it was just about a million dollars worth of land sales uh, last year. So, is that uh, your gross sales? What was your, if well, you don't mind sharing what? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, essentially, you know, when, when you look at the total amount of sales, you know, when you take all the transactions that I had cash and terms, they were right at a million dollars from last year. Okay. Over 198 deals. Okay. So again, just so I'm clear, did you, are you saying you netted a million bucks? No, no, no. That that's when when you take in all of the okay. um, you know all of the the value, the enterprise value of all of the okay. transactions. So the the terms deals. Remember, I'm not getting all the cash up front on the terms okay. deals. So you know, ca- cash in the bank account through the year was was about a half a million dollars, and then you know, essentially, you got to pay your expenses from there, right? That's all. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So this year, this year, 2017, I'm just now looking at my numbers. And I remember I did 198 deals last year and through, through, you know, the first week of August here, we've done 140 deals. Wow. And typically summers is slower for us 
So, you know, come September through December, you know, I'll probably do another, uh, you know, maybe even 60 deals. I, I think I'll, I think I'll surpass 2016 numbers and I probably will break the 200 uh, deal mark this year. Okay. Beautiful, man. That is amazing. Yeah. So can you, can you give us some numbers on your average when you flip a deal for cash? Well, first of all, uh, what percentage of your deals would you say you just flip for cash? Yeah. 25% of my deals are cash deals. Okay. 75% I sell on terms. My passive income, you know, and, and this kind of gets a little cloudy sometimes, but you know, passive income is to, to us is the, is basically our note portfolio. You know, it's the stuff that I sell one time and get monthly payments on. Right. My passive income is about $25,000 a month. Okay. Oh my gosh. So if I don't make another sale this month, you know, we'll have $25,000 come in the door. But then, you know, we're continuing to buy and sell properties. So there's there's an enormous amount of kind of cash still coming in the door. Nice. Now this just so people are clear too, this these most of these notes are good for five to seven years, right? Yeah. My my average uh my average note is about six years. Okay. Okay. So you summer do less, summer more. It, this isn't like uh this isn't like a house that um you know you can own forever. And just keep on renting it out. There is a time when these notes will come due. Scott, have you been in the business long enough to know like what percentage of these will actually go all the way through and cash you out? Does that make sense? Yeah. Now I don't I don't know exactly how many is gonna cash out. I mean, like I, I do have I do have um I do have a fair amount that 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 does go all the way through or has gone all the way through because maybe people pay it off early or something. So, you know, like that's the thing is like, you know, you sell it on terms and then you know, like just the other day I had a guy, uh, pay off like an $8,000. He had an $8,000 balance. Yeah. So, you know, he, he came in and, you know, I, I probably lost, um, from the passive income side, I probably lost like $200 a month, but you know, it was a nice influx of, you know, $8,000 new, new problem to go out and redeploy that capital. Nice. Right? Yeah. I will tell you that it's amazing though, Joe, because, you know, like unlike a house and, and I remember, uh, you know, so, someone referred to uh, to me once that a um, it was you know I don't know if you're familiar with Lonnie Scruggs Lonnie deals. Yeah. So Lo- Lonnie in his book that he wrote you know way back when he told a story of of what he termed as the perpetual money machine. It was like this one mobile home that he sold over and over and over and over and over again. Like he had zero cash invested in the thing, and you know they kept defaulting out. He kept taking it back, and he kept getting new down payments, and they kept sending him money. And so like this note. On this mobile home, it just kept it just kept bringing them more more and more money. Well, I can't tell you how many properties that I have where it's almost like a perpetual money machine because you sell the property and you know someone pays on it for you know anywhere from you know a few months to a few years, and then something happens. They no longer want the property, or something in their life has changed, and it's not like a house to where where they want to try to sell it and recoup their investment. The thing is, is that they just literally walk away from it. Yeah. So I've had multiple properties where I've already received all my cash back out of it. And then the person will like call me up and say, Hey, I no longer want the property or they'll default on their note and just go MIA. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you take it back, which is a beautiful thing because you're not necessarily having to go to the court and foreclose on it. We sell it on a land contract. So, so basically we give them proper notice that, hey, you know, you haven't made your payments. You have 30 days to make it. If they don't make it, we send them a note saying, hey, your 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 note has been terminated. And, you know, 
essentially we, we just remarket the property. And when we do, you know, there's oftentimes where I have no money invested in this deal. And so everything after that's an infinite ROI. Sure. Yeah. And so, and then, then someone will pay on it for a few months and then they'll say, Hey, you know, they'll default or they'll, they'll give it up. And then we just turn around and we, we re, literally resell it again. And, you know, right. it, it's like, it's, it's, it's an amazing business. I can't, you know, like emphasize that enough. That's really cool. So t- what's a typical, let's ask, I want to ask you about a cash deal. What's a typical cash deal? You buy it for how much and you sell it for how much? Yeah. So my, my typical, you know, so like my, and like, I think we all can build, you know, we all build our niches in there. So my niche, you know, over, over a period of time, I've kind of dialed in who my customer is and, you know, my typical deal again is I'll buy a property for, you know, to keep it simple, let's just say a thousand dollars, right? My average purchase is probably about like $1,200. So let's say 1200. And then, you know, typically I will sell that property when it's a cash deal on average for about, you know, just under $5,000. Okay. So like I'll buy something for, you know, 1200 and I'll sell it for like 45, $4,800 on a, on a cash deal. And then what would that property be worth on Landwatch? Uh, probably about the same, you know, probably about the, you know, let's say 4,800 to $5,000, somewhere in that range. I don't necessarily, I do have larger properties, but I don't make it like a, uh, a habit to go after those because that's not necessarily my bread and butter. Hmm. You know, I, I'm more of my customers more about, you know, lower affordable properties that they can, you know, make the monthly payments on as opposed to, you know, like I, I, I mean, I, I guess I could achieve the same thing by going out and buying a million dollar ranch and then selling one property in the year. Well, but you know the the customer base for that's going to be a lot sure. less than the properties that I'm selling. So you're you're buying them at um well let, let me just tell you how I do it and and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. Okay. <laughs> we'll go in and we'll look at land watch. Yeah. And if we're going to send a bunch of marketing out to 5 to 6 acres in a certain county, we'll see what they are currently actively listed for. Right. And uh, so let's just say that Five to six acres in this particular county are currently selling for ten thousand dollars on Landwatch. We'll go in and offer fifteen percent of that. We'll just make blind offers at fifteen percent. So we'll make offers at fifteen hundred dollars, and then the goal is to sell them at half to put them on Landwatch for half of what the lowest are the lowest ones are. Yeah. So if if we see that they're because if you go to Landwatch, do five to six acres in a certain county, you can sort it from low to high. We want to make sure our property is ranked at the top of the lows, right? So we'll buy it for fifteen hundred and sell it for five thousand um, dollars, so that we're half of what the lows are. Is that uh, are we selling it way too low for cash? I, I think so. You wow. know, like I, okay. like you know, you see, like for for me, what I find is like when when something is abnormally low, I think that people start to question like man, there's something wrong with this property, right? It could be a perfectly perfect property. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like I like to be, I do like to be at the extremes, one of the extremes. Like I either want to be, I want to either be the, um, the, the Walmart price or Amazon price. Okay. Or I want to be the Nordstrom's price. You like, if you're in the middle, it's, it's really hard to set yourself apart because there are people out there that they want the very best deal. What I, what I find is that, more so the the qualifier more so is can I afford the down payment, right? It's not necessarily about what that cash sale is. So, you know, if if the property is selling for ten thousand dollars on Landwatch, I might want to be at like nine thousand dollars, not for five thousand. 
Yeah. Okay. Right? So if you were selling it on terms, what would you sell it for? Well, what, I'm going to focus it more on um, on like the higher end of the market, but I'm going to make the the down payment extremely affordable. Okay. Okay. So you know the the, the person that's going to buy it on terms, they don't really care. You know, look look at look at like your car dealerships. They're not you know like you, when they're advertising the car. They're not telling you like, hey, this car is, you know, $20,000. They're saying, hey, you can own this car for, for $199 down and $199 a month. Okay, like the, the, you and I, we might sit down and do the math and figure out like, do I, do I want to yeah. pay cash for the car or do I want to, you know, finance it over time? But the typical customer of a, of a higher end product is not looking at that. They're looking to say, man, can I afford $200 a month in my budget? Mm, yeah. So, you know, essentially to me, what happens is I kind of, I kind of take my cash price. I want to be like the lower, a little bit lower tier than what's on like land watch. So let's, in your example where it's $10,000, let's just say I want to be about 9,000. And then what I will do is I'll say, okay, well, what's the time value of money? You know, and I kind of use a, a rate of about 6% on land. Yeah. Okay. And then I, I kind of then back into my terms number. So you're okay. Nice. Right. So then, so then I'm coming up with the down payment and I'm coming up with the, uh, the monthly payment from there. And it's really about the affordability. Okay. Yeah. So it's about what you could think in on the deals that we sell for cash. We get a lot of calls from folks saying, Hey, will you do, do financing on this? And, yeah. um, we say no, but we're, we're looking at starting to do more deals on terms now. And so I guess my philosophy has been if, if they're selling for 10K on Landwatch, I want to sell mine for 10K on terms. Yeah, I see. I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that, you know, I think that, um, you know, the, the thing is, and see, like, it all depends because I know that people are trying, you know, like, look, people need when you're starting out, you don't necessarily have this endless pot of money. Right. And I think that's a problem that all real estate investors have is that it is a capital intensive business. So, you know, one of the things that, um, one of the things that I've done is, is I've never really said, okay, well, I mean, maybe in the very beginning, I guess I did, but there were some properties that I would only sell for, for, uh, cash. And I would do that in like certain counties. So like I, I had some, I call them like my money counties. So I would go out and I would buy, buy a property there. I would just kind of double, try to double my, my cash just to, for cash generation. And then I would take the profits from that, that one county, I'd go out to where I would buy properties on terms. And then those would be like my longer term passive income, because that's really what I wanted is I wanted the passive income. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, I, I don't, I didn't want to create a business to where, man, I just had to flip for cash all the time for, to pay my bills. You know, I, I wanted to be able to set up passive income and get the money over time. And I'll tell you what, Joe, like I, I told you, like when, when, um, when the new CEO came and, and everything, I made it 18 months. They basically outsourced, you know, my department, 85% of my department. And on and while everybody was freaking out the day that it, they were told, hey, you know, we've outsourced uh, everything and, you know, uh, work will be going away. Yeah, okay. I mean, I was I was kind of freaked out. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was, I was freaked out because I, I've been a, you know, company career person my entire life. However... At the same time, I kind of laughed to myself and I'm like, man, I got the passive income. I can walk out of this place and not, never think twice about it. Yeah, so, man, isn't, you know, that I think that's, isn't that so free? 
uh, because <clears throat> yeah, I remember thinking too when I was working. I was a civil engineer for an electrical contractor, and this was my third company I'd worked for. I think I was probably ten years out of college, and uh, I remember thinking, I am living paycheck to paycheck. If they fired me, I know I could get another job. As you know, if I was willing to move and relocate, I know I could get another job. But I would be sunk. I would literally lose my house probably if I didn't get another job in within one or two months. Yeah, and that's scary. Like your your future, your livelihood, your family uh, welfare is is dependent on your employer and how good of a job you do. <laughs> right, but yeah, uh, right. it's dependent on someone else. And I, that scared right. me to death. I did not like that at all. Well, you know, like I'll I'll tell you, like it was it was freeing when I walked out of the door, and um, you know, I'll I mean, like, you know, there's there's these moments in your life that you just never will forget, and you know, I I, I remember like that my last day, uh, I had I had an appointment with with uh, HR. I think it was like uh at like eleven fifty in the morning. Uh, maybe even like at 1145, something like that. And, and I went down there and I felt like it was like the, you know, the, the walk of shame, you know, everybody's like, oh, all yeah. right, bye, you yeah. know, good luck, whatever. And cause everybody knows like, this is it. Like it's the final countdown, if you will. And I walked down there and <laughs> had my Jeez. bag in hand, which was feeling extremely empty without a laptop in it. And wow. Yeah. I get down there and sign off on everything and they explain what, what happens next. And then I walk in, turn in my badge and walk out the door and, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, I, I did it. You know, I could, I had the emotions of like freedom and I did it. And then I also had the, the emotions of, oh man, what the heck, right? <laughs> you know, like what's going <laughs> to happen. And I've got Mark Podolsky. He was calling me saying, you know, you're free, man. You're free. Welcome. You know, like, welcome to life. You're free now. <laughs> and Wow. I'm like, I, I know, I know, but I'm scared. And he's like, don't be scared. And I met my wife for lunch that day. And you know, I, I, I walked up to her and, you know, still feeling all these emotions. And, she, you know, she gave me a hug and she said, you did it. You know, wow. like you, you did it. You did it on you did it on your terms. And, you know, your, your grandfather would be so proud of you. And, you know, like so I start I started crying, you know, like, I, you know, like it was it was just like this moment where yeah, I was scared. And then at the same time, I'm like, I did, I did do it. You know, like I did it. I I've achieved the freedom that everybody dreams about. And I literally like that day, Joe, I, I go back home, I change into my shorts. I start, I start, uh, you know, working on my business to, to try to scale it and grow it even further. And I mean, like with rare exceptions, I was telling my wife the, the other day, man, I don't wear anything now but shorts. What a life. You know, like right. in, in the month of July, I literally worked 10 hours the whole month. Wow. There's nothing better in your life than like running this business that's running itself, spending 10 hours a month doing it. <laughs> good for you, Scott. That's awesome. That's really good. And that, that, uh, that's the powerful thing about real estate investing and once you get these systems down, you can do that. Whether you're doing houses or land, once you learn the systems, you can do that. Let me ask you some questions about systems. Is that all right, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you're a big systems guy. You have an IT background. Um, what kind of what, what systems and tools are you using right now to kind of manage your land business? So we started off with, uh, we start, Mark and I started off to like automate our businesses, right? Like we wanted to automate it. And, um, you know, because there's no way you can scale any business without some fashion of automation there. 
So in that very first year, 2015, that I was doing this, where I did 68 deals, man, we we were struggling, and about halfway through, I was struggling, and about halfway through, I turned over to Podio to to really like lay the foundation for you know to to automate my business. And then, you know, we, we started doing some, some stuff with Podio. Mark and I did. We started doing some stuff with Podio. And then we were like, man, we really want to custom customize this. So what we did was we actually, we hired a developer and he developed something that's in a way similar to the way that Podio would operate, but it's more customized to, to our land businesses where we can produce, you know, all of the required paperwork literally in seconds or a deed within, you know, minutes, if you will. Uh-huh. And I think that that's one of the big things that helped helped me to scale in that second year is is the automation. So you know whether it's whether it's Podio or in our case we use what we call LG Pass, which is the Land Geek proprietary automated software service. But whatever it is, you know, like I I, I mean, like if you're just starting out, you know, and and whether you're doing land or any other type of real estate, I, I mean, Podio is a great place to start. For us, we wanted to kind of expand that to to more custom stuff that we wanted to do, nice, and not be dependent on you know Podio's existence or whatever they decide to do. So, th- is this something built on Podio, or is it completely separate? No, it's it's completely separate. It's it's um it's actually developed. We we hired a developer to to, to do it and customize it the way that we want. Uh, it's based with with PHP. It's based in PHP. Okay. And uh, runs on our own servers. Do you guys sell that or is it only to coaching students that you give that to? Uh, right now, it's only to coaching students. We're looking to open that up soon. But for right now, it is really only to coaching students. Okay. Do you uh, you still use a lot of virtual assistants from the Philippines? I do, yeah. So, you know, like um, I, I try to outsource as much as I can. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I think people try to do is you know, when I had my corporate job, it was all about, you know, like staff utilization, right? Like you didn't want to hire somebody just to do a job because I mean, an employee's expensive person. What I try to do with my VAs is I, I try to have multiple, multiple people on my VA team that kind of do the same work, you know, yeah. cause you know, the old saying, you know, two, two is one and one is none. So if I just have one person that's doing the job and something happens to them, well, then I have none and I'm, I'm back to do doing the work. So I like VAs because I can give them a certain task that says, this is your job. You know, I don't care if it's, you know, 30 minutes a week, this, this you know, you're going to get 30 minutes a week from me every single week, as long as you're, you know, showing up and doing the work and doing it well. And then they do that one task. I don't try to have like this, this VA that does like a super VA, if you will, that does everything. I've kind of grown to having somebody that, that will help me to manage my business. Uh, that's more of like an acquisitions manager. And, you know, she kind of manages the VAs for me today. Is she but, from uh, the Philippines herself? No, she's, she's actually, uh, local, local okay. actually very local to where I am. So it's somebody that I, I found, uh, off of Craigslist and we've been working together now for about, um, I don't know, about a year and a half. Okay. Nice. That's kind of what I do now too. I usually have a ton of VAs and I found that when I hired somebody local, my income and productivity, um, doubled, tripled. Yeah. Yeah. It's just nice having that somebody like that local. It is. Yeah. Because, you know, this is, I mean, everybody on my team, whether, whether it's that person local or it's all paid on production, right? It's, there's nobody on salary. So, you know, even your local assistant. Yeah. She, she's paid, she's basically paid when, you know, based off of, uh, based off of the, the sales. Okay. So there's an incentive there to, to produce. There's nobody like, 
I mean, it's crazy because, you know, you think of, you know, like I said, la- uh, last year we had cash flow of, of, um, you know, cash in the door of about half a million dollars, just over half a million dollars. And, you know, you, you think like that's a, that's a pretty substantial business. It's basically, you know, run by VAs and people that are paid to produce, not, no one paid a, an hourly basis. I mean, VAs are paid hourly, but they're paid to do a certain job, right? Sure, it's not yeah. like, it's not like I have a 40 hour a week employee. Wow. Uh, cool. And, and for the people that are like the lay that that's working with me locally, like it's funny because someone asked me a day, like, well, how many hours a week does she work? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much she works. Right. Like I, it's not, it's not important to me. Nice. Nice. And so that's, that's a nice experience when you can kind of not only enjoy freedom yourself, but also to create a culture where it's still driven around sales, but at the same time, you're, you're not this micromanager that's, that's, you know, like trying to, trying to drive people into the ground. Oh, you know what? I'm so, uh, <laughs> I just remembered something. We got our first offer letter from some land that we owned the other day. I, f- I feel like oh, yeah. I, I have a badge of honor now. Like, yes. Yeah, I get that all the time. You know, it's like uh, other other land investors send it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted the very to ask- first time I got one, I was literally insulted because I'm like, what? I mean, I felt like, you know, either I overpaid or what? What? Uh, but so you had, is, you now you know what the sellers like that are, that are receiving your offers. Yeah, yeah, and, and and sometimes I'll even call and and uh, you know when I when I really want to have some fun, I'll call and just kind of mess with the other land seller. <laughs> That's funny. So let's talk about how you're doing your marketing. Is that okay, real quick? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. want to wrap it up, but this is so good. We, uh, I got still, I got a ton of questions that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. No uh, problem. All right. So, how do you do your marketing? Do you just send out letters? Hey, call me. I want to buy your land. Or are you sending offers? I actually send offers. So what I do is I uh, find the areas that I want to work in. I look at what the the land prices are on on uh, the other you know websites. Landmoto.com, which is um, a platform that anybody can list their properties for, Landwatch, Land and Farm, any of those. And um, I kind of look at what other people are are selling it for. I divide by four. That becomes my offer price. I'm not trying to to be extremely accurate on it. It's to me an offer is a conversation starter. Okay. They either accept it or they don't accept it or they counter offer me and then I can start the conversation with them. So it's really just kind of this thing like, hey, let's let's start talking. So I, I take the, the, the list of property owners, I mail it to them, divide, divide uh, the comps by four, what other people are selling it for by four, and just mail. And then um, from, from there, we either get accepted offers or we get people that counter it, and, uh, or, or we get the, the angry hate mail. Yep, which you get a lot of. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, yeah. We, we, we did this one county somewhere on the uh, West Coast, and it was really close to the ocean. Yeah. And uh, hopes made a mistake is like this property that's closer to the ocean is going to be worth a lot more. And we were making offers at 15 cents on the dollar and uh, like one five. And oh my goodness, we've got tons of vicious, angry voicemails and letters. And uh, um, yeah, I won't even go there, but that's the way it goes. And sure enough, guess what? We did a deal from that and uh, yeah. did really, really well. But our uh, our average acceptance rate was way low. Uh, on that county. So that's what we do too. We're doing 15%. Do you think we'd get more accepted if we did 25% like you're doing? Probably. You probably would. Yeah. You know, I, I think that if you're too low, okay, the, you know, like if you're, if your response rate is like one to 3%, uh, then you're kind of dialed in there. If it's, 
Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, if you're one to three percent, you're probably dialed in there. If it's three to five percent, you're probably a little high. And uh, if you're like less than one percent, you're probably a little low. The marketplace is talking to you. So when you say response rate, is that some? Does that mean they signed your contract, or are they just are they calling you back, or what? That's everything. That could be you know kind of hate mail. So as long as I get something back from them. You know, I'm looking at all those kind of responses. You could dial it in to be where they they even res- like if you just wanted to be a little bit more precise, you could say if they responded with a counter offer or if they just accepted your offer. But I, I, I kind of go for like all accepted offers. So out of everything that I try, my metric is that I try to buy about one percent of whatever I mail. So, you know, I'm trying to to look at this and, and be dialed into that. Uh, OK, to that number. Nice. Try to buy one percent. So if you send a thousand letters, you're you're hoping to buy ten. Ten. Wow, we're that's way more than we're buying. Yeah, we're buying maybe two or three out of every thousand letters. Yeah, so it's probably your offer price is probably mm-hmm. what it is. Wow, and we're still doing well. I mean, that's when you look at house direct mail. That's still way better. Yeah, yeah, it's all perspective, right? I thought I was doing really awesome. Thanks, you just <laughs> let me down. <laughs> Just, oh, no problem. Anytime. I, I can let you down anytime. <laughs> no, I'm depressed. No. Still, uh, yeah, that's amazing. So you then once you get a letter offer accepted, you um, start doing your due diligence, right? Is there anything that in your due diligence that says, all right, this isn't going to work? What are the, some of the red flags in your due diligence that makes you say, I'm not going to do this deal? Yeah, the, the things that really stop me the most from due diligence is believe it or not, it's just a couple of things. One is that the taxes that are owed are greater than, you know, where, where I could still make a profit, right? So taxes is one of the first places that we look. If the delinquent taxes or property owners association, which I, I try to avoid at all costs. HOAs, if, like association? HOAs, wow. yeah. Okay, yeah. If a property's in an HOA, I'm like, I'm out, like I'm running, okay? Yeah. Because, I mean, there's various reasons, but essentially, you know, like if, Joe, if you live in a community that's an HOA today, well, then you have no problem writing a check every quarter because you're getting benefits from, from living there. Right. You know, if, if you just owned property in an HOA and you're writing a check every month, but yet you're not enjoying the pool or you're not enjoying the common area and it's like this thing for in the future, well, then you're not going to, you're not going to want to do that. And then landowners are the same way, like people that are buying land. They're like, well, I don't want to pay the HOA fees because it's, you know, just another monthly expense. And so those properties become harder to sell. Yeah, for sure. Than your typical, you know, rural land. So we, taxes, H, uh, oh HOA fees, I'm out. There's a certain somebody, I'll leave them nameless. We won, quote unquote, some land because yeah. we bought something of theirs. <laughs> okay. All right. I think you know who I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. So we got this. Awesome piece of land. It's a quarter acre for free. All right. Probably worth $250, $300. So fine. We get it. And there was about two or three years of back taxes owed of about <laughs> $750. Okay. Yeah. So now we get this free land and we have to, and we can't sell it until the taxes are paid. So oh, whatever. We paid the $750 in property taxes and then find out that because of HOAs, we can't sell the land because nobody can buy it unless there's HOA restrictions. So you can't build anything unless you own three acres or something like that. 
Oh, man. So here we get this free piece of property that we have to pay taxes on. And then there's we can't sell it unless somebody... It was, I don't even know what I think we still own it. Actually, you know what we did? <laughs> we quick claimed it back to the uh, person who gave it to us. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, what a d- cluster. <laughs> I can't believe so, that. So, you know, taxes, HOAs, I'm out. Yeah. The other thing that's a big stopper for me is anything that has to do with probate. So if they can't, if they don't have free and clear title, I'm, I'm out, you know, if it's, a, if it's a probate issue because there's not enough money in there to to deal with it, to take it through probate. It's not like a house, right? Like yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. house, I might take it through probate land. I'm, I'm out. Not, not, and, you don't worry about uh, access? Like if it has bad access? Well, that, that kind of is lower on the, on the tier. I don't necessarily worry about that because, you know, I typically, I just go back to my, uh, my swamp land. Okay. You know, experience. I think that what will happen is where I'm buying at the right price, you know, worst case scenario, I can, I can still like double my money and get out of it. Yeah. But, or worst case you break even. Break even, right? Like, but I've never even like I've never had a situation where I lost money on on a property. I've never lost money on a property. I've never even come close to break even. Maybe, maybe one I broke even, but that was kind of a a test that I was trying to do. But beyond that, you know, essentially, you know, th- those are the two big big pieces that that are right. deal breakers. And there, there's buyers out there who want inaccessible land, right? They're yeah. they don't they want a place where they can hide when the government government yeah. comes to take all their guns and uh the, the, the worse harder it is to get to the better yeah well, joe like while while we were talking i kid you not like while we were talking i i just now glanced over and i see that we actually just made a sale and it's it's actually on a property that that's inaccessible wow okay and uh here here are the numbers i mean this is something that just just now happened while we were talking so this is a property that i paid 650 dollars for Okay, not a lot of money, 650 bucks. Yeah. Paid $650 for it and we sold it for $2,000. Okay, on terms. The person just put down $200 down and so they will finance 100 a month for the next 18 months. Okay? 100 a month, 18 months. Wow. So essentially, you know, like that that's a that's a real deal that just happened while we were talking and you know, as you know, look, a hundred dollars a month isn't necessarily going to move the needle in my life, but it literally, if you just think about it, like I just built another hundred dollars a month of passive income. And I typically, I typically add about 2000 a month to my passive income number every month. You're adding two grand a month. Yeah. Now that that's yeah. only for 18 months, but doesn't, doesn't matter, man, because it like this guy may or may not go all the way to term. Sure. Right. Which, you know, but netting, I'm netting about adding about $2,000 a month of passive income. And when I say net, I'm, I mean, like, that's the people that are dropping off and, and yeah. new people that are coming on. Nice. So, you know, I, it's like giving yourself a raise every, every month of another $2,000 a month. So you're typically breaking even after about three to six months on your terms yeah. deals. Yeah. Like in this, in this case, I, I paid six fifty for the property. I've got $200 down. I'm now into it for four fifty. And in uh, less than five months, I'll have all my money back out of it. Okay. Now, when you sell on terms with owner financing, do you you do a land contract so you don't give them the deed until they pay in nope. full, right? That's right. Yeah. Do you find that there's problems with that sometimes when maybe somebody moves onto the land, or do you allow them to move onto the land before it's paid? How do you do that? Well, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily restrict it. You know, I, I tell them they can start enjoying the property from day one. 
yeah. and um, you know they can essentially start start doing whatever they want to, whether it's building or whatever. I've never had anybody come back and ask me to sign a building permit from the county. Okay. So I don't necessarily. I mean, I know that there's people that are living on the land. I mean, talk about these inaccessible properties. There's some land that I own that's down. Um, it's near the the uh, painted uh, the painted desert okay. in Arizona. Yeah. And like three miles north of the interstate, it's just nothing but desert land. And I know there there's a guy that's living on the property out there. Yeah. Literally three miles from civilization. He's an off the gritter, right? He's the he's the guy that's going to buy these off you know off the so the grid if they stop if paying when they're living on it what do you do then i still issue them a like a termination and if somebody else goes out there and determines that they are um you know living out there then what i would do is i would um kind of call the sheriffs and you know report them for squatting and trespassing and then the sheriffs i know you got your dog barking back there <laughs> it's okay but the sheriffs then will try to kick them off I know this is a rare circumstance, but the reason I'm asking is uh, you go to some of these forums online and, and you people you hear these horror stories and people kind of freak out that uh, these, when these things happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make sense. I, so, sorry about the dog. Someone no, okay. came and rang my doorbell. One of the one of the downsides of working from home, I guess. Right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I totally get the, it. Uh, you know, the the thing is, like, you know, if somebody's squatting on the land or they're trespassing on the land, yeah, the sheriffs will deal with that. It's a legal issue because you can issue them a, a trespass notice, or the sheriffs can issue them a trespass notice. Okay. You know, it might it might you might have to engage with an attorney. I mean, like my one horror story is that the guy bought some land from me. He bought it on terms, and then he, he made one payment and he stopped paying. But in the meantime, he, he like basically like trashed the property, right? Like he, he went out there and he like dumped all kinds of junk out there. Like I don't know what he was doing. It's like he wanted to build something or something, but he just the place was a mess. Yeah. Resold the property, and oh, wow. the new guy goes out there and finds out that, that it's a mess. He, he basically calls us up and says, Hey, look, there's a bunch of debris out here. Yeah. We're like, Oh, sorry about that. So we arranged to have a dumpster go out there. And we also arranged to, to have somebody go out with, um, like a bobcat yeah. and just clean it up. It cost me a thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> well, the guy, the guy that, that did the, the dirty work, if you will, his down payment to me was a thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. So essentially that was a wash with the cleanup. It's the only time I've had to clean up a property, by the way, in like what, 500 deals now. Nice. nice. First time. Now the other deal is that the new guy that came onto the property, he also paid a thousand dollars down. So I was in no, no like worse net situation in that scenario. Okay. Maybe some frustration that we have to do, but you know what? I had a VA that arranged for everything after that. You know, nice, nice. Can I ask you some more questions, Scott? Are we doing okay? Absolutely. Sure. I know land geek has a um, payment processing software, right? So when you're doing these terms deals, do you, are you using loan geek? Or is it, is, should I have asked you that question offline in case you want? No, no, I do. I do use, I, I use that, that software. It's now called uh, geekpay.io. Okay. Geek. I use that. It's a great system. It bills the customers automatically and, and debits their bank account. So do you have to tie it to um, a merchant account or how, how are you guys doing that? Like, are you providing the merchant account for the, your clients? No. So what it does is essentially it, it's basically a payment processor, right? So it, it's basically a note collection software, okay. financial CRM, if you will. And so what happens is 
the person signs up for the for the um, the you know the like I, I would go in there and I would put in your note in there. Okay. And when when I'm setting up all your paperwork and everything, I'm going to ask you for you know your bank account information. Right. So I'm going to to run that through our ACH provider. So you have to go oh, and get so, an ACH account. And do you help with that then? Yeah, we we give them the company that we would use. Nice. Like we have a recommendation for it. So you're saving a uh, lot of money in merchant fees when you're using ACH. You're avoiding it. Yeah, it's like uh, I think it's like two. Uh, 25 cents a transaction. There. Holy okay. smokies. Yeah, that's awesome because then it's easier to collect, isn't it, as well? Everybody has a checking account, but it, um, it's easier to get paid through a checking account than a um, credit card, isn't it? Yeah, and so then what we do is we also tie in a um, a backup, uh, like a credit card. Oh, beautiful. So, so essentially if their ACH fails, then it automatically charges their credit card that we have on file. So that's that's our way of of helping to ensure that we get paid. One of the things that I did when I was I had a lot of rental properties was um, require that the rent be paid on the days they got paid, right from their employer. So if they got paid on the every second Friday, I would figure out the rent where it would automatically withdraw from their checking account the same day that they. Uh, they got paid from their employer, which they actually liked. They preferred that. It made it easier for them. You could possibly do the same thing with Geek Pay. Is that right? Yeah, you could. You could set up and say, you know, like even if you wanted to divide up the payments, you would set up the note to where it was yeah. like two different notes, if you will. But essentially, you could you could do the same thing. Beautiful. But maybe that's not a big deal when it, when you're talking about that small of amounts. So you you don't have to go sign up for Stripe or Authorize.net or some kind of merchant account with Geek Pay. Well, you sign up for GeekPay, and then you still do need you need like we use Acum. Okay. I think it's Acum for uh, our ACH. Beautiful. All right. And uh, you do need to get a merchant account, maybe through Authorize.net, and tie those in there. But once you put that in there, it's like a forget, set it and forget it kind of a deal. Well, Authorize.net really isn't a merchant company. It's yeah, just like you, a payment you, then you go, gateway. Yeah, and so then you can go get like uh, I can't remember which one it is. If it's BluePay or whoever it is, but it's one of those credit card companies. Oh, okay. To do the balance. Beautiful. All right. So that's geekpay.io, right? Yeah, that's geekpay.io. Okay, cool. For your websites, do you keep it real simple? You just have one website for buyers or another website for sellers or just one place where they all go? Yeah, I just have one website. Like I just I just use one website and I don't keep it separate. I don't have two different entities. I know a lot of people that, that do that because they're worried about like, well, what's the person going to think when I go to resell it? Look, I mean, how many times do you go and sell something? You, you go back and look at it. I mean, I, I, I don't like I sell, I sell a car and I'm not worried about what the car dealership is going to make on it. Yeah, I know yeah. they're going to make a profit. It's just the way that it is. Okay. Very cool. I, one other question I had, I think real quick here was um, when, when you're targeting a county, do do you get detailed into where like your target maybe you send a different offer letter to certain sections of the county than you do the other sections of the county, or do you just send the same offer to all of those size lots that you're sending to in that county? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. What what I do is I actually do like segregate the county. So like I look at what the the land is for in this area, like in a specific like subdivision or section, and then I send send the same offer there. And then in another part of the county, it might be a different offer or it might be the same offer. It just depends on the county too. Okay, cool. Well, nice, Scott. You have a Craigslist software. I mean, not software. I'm sorry. A course training people how to post on Craigslist. I just bought that recently and I gave it to my uh, land business partners and they're going through it now. They say it's really good. 
<laughs> so are, is that still available? Do you still sell that and advertise that? Yeah. So essentially that's, that, that course is basically, it's called posting domination and you can find out more about it at postingdomination.com. Cool. And the, the thing about the, you know, that's the exact same training that my VAs use for, for posting our ads. Nice. And it's basically an end to end system that is focused not only on how to post ads and how to automate the ads. It's really also about how to break through the Craigslist algorithm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're doing any type of posting on Craigslist, you're familiar with being deleted and flagged and banned and all this other stuff. And essentially this is an end to end product that will help you to understand what the Craigslist algorithm is doing and then how to kind of beat it or game it, if you will, so that, you know, you can get your ads to stick and, you know, we, we post literally my team and I, we post about anywhere from 75 to a hundred ads a day. Holy across. smokes. These are to sell land or to buy? Yeah. To sell, to sell land. Wow. And we're posting about 75 to a hundred ads a day. And our stick rate is about 75 to 80% depending on the day. Uh, but we, we have a lot of ads stick. That's really good. And so I take you through this training. That's the exact same training that my VAs use to understand one, how to write the ads that we want so that they'll stick. And then two, how to set up an, an automated posting system that will just like every Joe, every hour we're posting about four ads every hour. I've got four dedicated cheap PCs that do nothing but post ads like every hour. I, what you do for those PCs is so hilarious too. I'm not going to tell everybody, but you just got to go get it. It's fun. It's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> you're, we're, we're talking about like a PC that's less than a hundred dollars, yeah, right? Yeah. And you know, it, it's just the, the, it's, it's a no brainer. I've got a battery backup on it. It runs 24 seven. Literally we, we stage up our ads and we just go. That's awesome. And so if you want to learn more about that, it's at postingdomination.com. Yeah, go get that, guys. Postingdomination.com. And uh, I don't get any affiliate commission from that. It's just good. You got to go get it. It's worth every penny of it. And it's only $497. Is that right? $500? Yeah, $497. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. uh, And then, you guys, you can use that for your housing business, for houses and land. It's. It works across all kinds of investing. Um, a lot of you guys listening to this maybe even are doing Craigslist ads for finding mortgage broker, mortgage leads and things like that, or traditional real estate listings. So with that, Scott, are you still advertising on websites like um, Land and Farm or Landwatch.com the, the, where you pay for them? Or Well, I, I don't, Joe, and, and here, here's why. Here's why. Uh, what happened was, I, as I call them, the lands, the you know the land websites, they basically have been being gobbled up by one company. It's the same company that owns LoopNet. It's it's CoStar. Oh wow! They've been buying all of. They bought Land and Farm. They bought Lands of America. They bought Landwatch. I mean, they've just bought. They've been buying up all the lands. And so I was I was advertising on uh, on Land and Farm since I started. I was paying fifty dollars a month, and I got a bill. After they decided that they were gonna like roll all this into one and make you make you be on all their platforms, not just one of them. Yeah. And uh, they literally took my bill from fifty dollars a month to two hundred ninety-seven dollars a month. Wow. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. And so what I did was, you know, my my website, which is landmoto.com, okay. that was the the domain that I used from day one. I was getting just a ton of traffic on there, just people that are, you know, we, we've got good SEO in there and, and we're growing. So, 
Joe, what I did was I, I basically said, you know what? I'm going to open up my platform to like all land investors. And essentially we, we did that at the end of May. So it's still growing, but I think that at last count we had over, um, I think 250 listings on there that anybody can, uh, can join. And like, you know, obviously there's, there's, uh, there's some subscription fees in there. All those fees are going back into, to marketing. So it's going back into SEO. It's going yeah. back into paid traffic. So unlike, you know, a land and farm or the, these lands that are, uh, that are profit motivated, I'm kind of running, you know, land landmoto.com is, is really like a nonprofit, if you will, because I'm just putting everything back in there to, to drive more traffic back for the land investors because they were, they, they were like the forgotten, you know, people. I mean, the lands, these websites are all going after the big million dollar ranches and those brokers. And, uh, you know, I'm like, these are, these people are forgotten. You know, the land investors like myself are forgotten people. So, uh, we've seen a, a huge, um, you know, we, we've seen a number of other land investors who are, uh, advertising with us, you know, that's continuing to grow every single month, you know, and essentially I, I open up my buyers list back to, you know, back to this, to these platforms, yeah. if you will. So the, these people are, you know, anybody can, can access my buyers and, and my That's traffic cool. and everything. And good, good. my buyers list now is like, um, like well over 6,000 people. So we send out a weekly email blast to try to help other land investors sell their properties as well. Nice. Nice. Cool. Um, okay. One other question for you, Scott, um, the it's regarding competition because there is getting more competition for land. Although it's, we don't need to argue that the competition is way less in land than it is for houses. But I think some people are getting concerned that um, there's more competition in the land business. And it, it, it seems like a lot of people are targeting the real popular States, Colorado, Nevada, Arizona, things like that. So does that concern you at all? And I, so two questions. Number one, does that concern you, competition, number one? And number two, can you do this land flipping business in Midwestern states, you know, like Missouri or Arkansas or Oklahoma or Texas or um, Michigan? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. Look, I, you can do the land business anywhere, right? Like you can, you can, you can sell land anywhere uh, because there's, there is a desire for land. I, I mentioned to you that one of the guys that, that I sold land to, he, he basically told me that his goal was to own a piece of property in every single state of the country. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, there, there's people that, that people want to live in every state. People want to, um, to, to do this. I will tell you that what I find though, is that the best deals come from kind of the states that are out West because, you know, I think that there's a percentage of the population that has this this dream of of you know owning some land out west or like there's there's this American love, if you will, of the West. Yeah. And so I think that you know when you talk about like, hey, you know, here's 40 acres in Nevada, man, there, people people absolutely like you know think about like this adventure that they might go on or this retirement adventure that they might go on or you know they, they're thinking of a different approach, if you will. Yeah. So. You know, I think that the land out west becomes easier to buy because people don't necessarily go out there a ton to look at it. And so then, you know, they, they might buy it sight unseen and then, you know, they, they, they pay for it for a while and then they no longer want it, you know, or didn't, doesn't do what they want to achieve anymore. But you can do the, the land business from any single state. The competition piece does not scare me and, and I can make multiple arguments as to why. Yeah. But I'll, I'll give you two of them. One 
Mark Podolsky and I, we we have been we have been working in the exact same county for you know m- many many months. Like we're working almost like a side by side. He works on one side of the county, I work on the other side of the county. Sometimes we work like literally like almost property by property, mailing and marketing, and it does not it has not hurt my business. In fact, you know I've seen. Uh, this increase in people that are focused on land investing and my business has not been hurt by it. In fact, I gave you the numbers, you know, like yeah. 68 deals my first year, 198 the next year, 140 so far this year. My business is not hurting because more people are, are doing it. I really take the approach of an abundance mentality where the 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 tide rises all ships. Yeah. Well, that's good. And that's amazing too, because there's there's still a ton of vacant land in these areas. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think that people realize just how big the, the, the country is and how much land there is. I mean, if you go off and research it, you'll find that like in one of the counties that I do business in one County alone, Joe, it's 2.2 million acres. This one County that I work in 2.2 million acres. Now that's a lot of land. Okay. And I don't even focus on the entire County. I literally focus in one section. I've built like a kind of a niche market in this one section to where I focus on an area that's about 55,000 acres. Wow. So 55,000 acres out of a county that's 2.2 million. And I've pulled so much money out of this 55,000 acres and I'm not done yet. Okay. So when you think about the entire, you know, country, the U.S., it's only about 5% developed. Yeah. Okay. Like you, you may not realize that, but 5% of this country wow. is developed. Wow. So there's a ton of land out there. The other thing that doesn't scare me about the competition, and look, I, I this is a, I mean, like this is this is a big change for me. If if you could have seen me like when I first started, like if we were talking about, there's no way I would have talked to anybody about land investing because I was scared to death that someone was gonna, you know, right. come and pick up my secret. But then I've seen like I've seen that it doesn't necessarily impact my business at all. Yeah. But the other the other thing that really helps me too is. You know, think, think about like your local market, like your local, you know, any market, pick a restaurant chain, if you will. Okay. Like there's not just one Mexican restaurant in your neighborhood, you know, and if, if a new one opens up, it doesn't mean that the other one's going to shut down. It's not a zero sum game. It's, it's literally, you know, you can have multiple Mexican restaurants literally within the same zip code and they still do okay. Right. Like they're still fine. So I, I really take that approach of, hey, you know, there, there's a lot of land out there. I've seen firsthand there's a lot of land out there. And then second, that, you know, one one person cannot corner this market. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, Scott, thank you so much, Mr. Scott Todd, for— I appreciate it, Joe. It's been a lot of fun. This has been good and uh, got me more excited about land. And um, how can people get a hold of you? And yeah. uh, can you give us some websites and— Good stuff like that. Yeah. So again, we talked about postingdomination.com, which, you know, I, I think that that's a great, great spot Definitely. for somebody. Yeah. Look, if you want to learn more about land, I, I cannot, I cannot speak highly enough of the landgeek.com, right? Like I, I, I'm not, uh, I don't make any money from, from that piece. I do do coaching with them, but that was the, that was the package that I chose. Uh, that was the program that I chose. I didn't do what you, you recommend, which is like bought buy multiples. I just bought one and, and ran with yeah. it. Right. You know, uh, to, to me, I, time was of the essence from me and I just needed to take action and get it done. 
And, you know, I chose, I chose Mark because he's, he's a guy that actually still does deals today. Like he's running his company today. He's doing deals. Him and I compete against each other. I know he's active in the business. And, and so he, he continues to, to kind of grow that business and we compete in that, that fashion. And so he's got a great program and, a, and he's built a great community. If you want to learn more about me, you can do so at, at scotttodd.net. That's kind of where, yeah. kind of my, my home. And if you really want to focus on what I've done with land, you can learn more also at scotttodd.net forward slash land. Cool. And that will, that will kind of help you to get going if, if land is something that you want to learn more about. Nice. Very much. Very good. Uh, I'm writing this down, right? Scott todd.net slash land scotttodd.net slash land and um, a place where you can get a free opt-in for something looks like here uh, what is that a just newsletter basically, basically uh, at scotttodd.net you get you yeah you can get like a you know I'll send out information and everything on what, what I'm doing if you go to scotttodd.net forward slash land that's where I talk a little bit more about my land story yeah and you know talk to you about how you can learn more nice nice very good and okay. um thank you scott so much i sure appreciate it joe appreciate it and uh, it was a lot of fun thank you all right we'll talk to you later see you guys hey go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes to get all the links that we talked about here and uh hopefully maybe transcription we'll see <laughs> don't hold me to that but i'm trying we'll talk to you later guys see you bye-bye 